I just wanted to uh, maybe look at the gospel lesson from today since it preached on Ephesians and look at this uh, part of John in uh, Mark and Herod. Uh, so let's just uh, start with prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, You have chosen us to be Your own and given us faith in Your Son, Jesus Christ. And with that comes crosses, as is well known by John the Baptist. And we ask that You would bless us and give us courage and strength as those crosses come, that we may use them to proclaim Your glory and not our own. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, our Gospel lesson picked up uh, with King Herod, and it's kind of a weird place to have picked that up, it says, King Herod heard of it, and everybody's going, heard of what? <laughs> but um, it, it goes back to the previous lesson where uh, Jesus had sent out the 12 apostles, and they had gone out and done these wonderful things. It says that the, the final two verses say they went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed many with oil who were sick and healed them. And other Gospels record them coming back and being overjoyed in these things. That's uh, where the other one came up where Jesus told them just to be happy that your names are written. This has been a problem all day. Um, the, uh, but to be happy that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that they were chosen. So Herod hears of this, uh, for Jesus' name had become known, and they were curious as to, you know, who this guy was. Who was this Jesus? And so they're saying, it, some said it was John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. Others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias' brother, uh, his Brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. Um, Herod had actually, he, he was sort of enamored with John's preaching. He would listen to him. He wanted to listen to him. Uh, and he was perplexed, it says in, uh, in, chat, in verse 20 in here. Um, but he actually... Uh, put him in prison, and it says for the sake of Herodias. Well, he did it uh, because John was preaching against Herodias. Herodias was his half-brother's wife. Of They were both sons of Herod the Great by different women. Uh, so Philip, Herodias's ex-husband, she divorced, uh, was his half-brother. And uh, so he, you know, it, it just was not scripturally right for him to be marrying her, especially since he divorced his wife to make it happen. It was just sin all over that relationship. And John was constantly calling him out for it. Um, but Herod heard it and, you know, thought on it. And, and it, uh, you might say it pierced him in some way. But Herodias was just fighting mad, if you will. And so when he put John in prison, well, Herodias was happy because now he's shut up and he's in prison. But at the same time, Herod was kind of protecting him in a way. 
um, so that nothing would happen. So he seized him, bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted, uh, wanted to put him to death, but she could not. Uh, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and kept him safe. Um, this grudge that Herodias has, it's, the word is also used to describe uh, what uh, the Pharisees, uh, how they felt, and they would seek to kill Jesus. Their grudge against him was uh, for their power that, that he was seemingly taking away. It wasn't going to be the law that they kept that made them holy. It was going to be Christ. And so... You know, she had a similar grudge, but it was all her own. It was just in her. She hated him for what he was saying against her personally. Um, so it says, when he, Herod, heard him, he was greatly perplexed, yet he had heard him gladly. Um, and the, the word for perplexed there is the same word that's used when the women went to Jesus' tomb. They looked. He's not there, and they were perplexed. Um, so it, it's, uh, he was perplexed in the sense that John was not afraid of Herod. You know, here he is, this tetrarch of king, and he's, uh, John just was so openly speak badly about him and not seem to care what happened. You know, fine, put me to death. You know, I mean, uh, at one point, you know, he did want to know, am I doing this for the right person? Uh, you know, he asked... Uh, is this truly the Christ? But, uh, but he wasn't afraid of proclaiming what God sent him to proclaim. And probably that perplexed Herod as well because the boldness with which he gave his message uh, was astounding. Um, but he heard him gladly. And then it says, But an opportunity came when Herod was on, uh, on his birthday. He gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and leading men of Galilee. So you can imagine he has this big banquet in his own honor, and the people of his court are there, the military commanders, probably you know, second-ranking uh, military leaders, and other leading men of society from Galilee. And he has his daughter come in and dance. That's how she pleased Herod and his guests. And she came in likely after the meal, after they had all consumed some alcoholic beverage and wine, and, and um, likely it was not just a simple, you know, it, it, it was likely some sort of erotic type of dance that, that they found enticing, and they were pleased. Um, and just the, the sin of, of him, that he would have his daughter do that uh, to entertain these guests, he, he would put his daughter to that level um, is interesting. But she danced and she pleased him and his guest. And he said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And he probably didn't have authority to just do that because he had others in authority over him. But it, it was just this aggrandizement, I guess you'd say, of, of what he was saying, you know, how thankful he was to her or whatever that he would exaggerate in that way. Um, 
So she goes out to her mother and says, what should I ask for? And, and you'd think that, you know, she might have had something in mind. Uh, her father is the king. You know, hey, I need a new chariot and some drivers so I can go to the, uh, to the Galilean mall over there. Uh, or I need, you know, more money or I would like my own house or whatever she doesn't have. You'd think she would have had something in mind, but she goes to her mother. And her mother, it seems, uh, when she asks her, she just, she just immediately turns and says, the head of John the Baptist. It's like she's had this planned all along, that this is how this would come about. Um, no hesitation in her mind at all. She wants John gone. So she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, now we spoke to the to the, I guess you'd say, guile of Herod and having his daughter dance in this way. But then, my gosh, how much more so the, that of his wife to say, uh, uh, go ask this for me, and I'm going to draw you in to be part of my plot to have this man killed. Um, so even sin piled on top of sin, and she just didn't care. It was, it was all about what she wanted, not what was good for anybody else. And it says, and the king was exceedingly sorry. Um, this was not a sorry of repentance, but just of, of guilt, I guess. Um, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. So she had, he had been forced to make this promise in front of all these people and you know, doesn't want it to get out that, well, Herod's word isn't worth anything. You know, he promised his daughter this, and she came back. Well, not that. Come up with your second best choice. You know, that's more than half my kingdom, I guess, maybe. Um, so he didn't want to break his word. And it says, and immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. Um, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. And he brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. I, it's weird. I guess maybe we can see this now. I, I, I don't, I'm not uh, given, shall we say, to just watch TV. But in what I see in previews once in a while when it's on and I walk through the room or something grabs my attention for a minute and there's previews for Game of Thrones or all these other shows, that just the, the graphic nature of some of these things, I guess now we could imagine what it would be like to have someone walk into a dinner party with someone's head on a platter. You know, not a wax thing, but a head. Uh, the most similar thing I have was several years ago, if you remember, we had a, uh, what is it called? A German... That Christmas dinner, what do we call that, Phil? Do you remember a, uh, yeah. You just had an infarct too. The boar's head, yeah. But it, 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 it was a, a German dinner. And so we had, a, we had a roast pig. And we had a whole pig. And we, the part of this parade in with song and jubilation was to bring in this boar's head. So we had the pig out here on a spit, and they lopped the head off, and we put it on here and put stuff around it, and you walked in with this roasted pig's head. And people were like, gee, I don't know. If you've ever been to Jungle Gyms in Cincinnati, you can go in, and they usually have a pig's head or two on, in the cooler, and you can just walk out with a pig's head. I, I don't know. 
The head seems like it would be an afterthought you just have on the side. I don't know why you would go in and buy one on the spot. But a gruesomeness to it that I, I, we just don't quite get. So that, that this whole thing elevates the point of, hey, okay, here's the head in front of all these dinner guests. And in my mind, dinner would have been over at that point. Um, but it just, the level of grisliness that this whole thing took on. Um, the, um, let's see. Yeah. So when the disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. And the, this whole thing is, it just looks as a, a foreshadowing of Christ's suffering and death. Um, that he proclaims the coming of God's kingdom in himself and that people should repent and have faith in him. And he, and, and he goes further than John the Baptist rather than just preaching repentance. He does all these marvelous things and he comes with grace and mercy and healing and gives this to all the people. And then there's a grudge against him by the Pharisees and people are perplexed as they you know, look at him going, who is this man? And he even asks his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And they come up with these similar answers, you know, that, that you are a, um, you know, a great prophet that's come. Uh, but Peter says, no, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And so it, it's just almost like a parallel story that goes forth. But the story of Christ, of course, is John on steroids. They take his body, they put him in a tomb, um, but that's not the end. Three days later, he rises. And they can't even imagine that at this point. Jewish culture, I, I guess, did not have a big, uh, a big story of resurrection, per se, of, of the body. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's just this, like a foreshadowing of Christ's suffering itself, you know, in, in prison. And I guess you'd call having your head lopped off torture. Um, yeah, not in a long sense, but quick. Um, so, anyway, thoughts or questions? What do you think? It is. I don't think we've really done this one in, in Vacation Bible School. Okay, kids, today is Game of Thrones Day. Um, yeah, no, we don't. And, um, and just in so many ways, just, you know, what John was willing to go through and um, the faith he must have had, you know, to, to proclaim Christ and proclaim the coming of the kingdom and the need for repentance and then jailed and uh, lose his head. So, you know, he, he said he would become less and Christ must become greater. And he testified that, no, I'm not the one. Um, you know, he gave glory to God even in the end. Yeah. It's a fine question. Um, I'd have to look at parallels. I mean, I think they reference it. They all reference John. John is spoken of in the very beginning of the Gospel of John. It's like it's I and the Father are one, then there was a man named John. Um, 
I'd have to look back. I'm sorry? Yeah, or just a piece, you know, a mention of John, not the real, let's see. Let's just look. Luke gives us, it's all in the beginning. Well, Luke gives us, um, yeah, the birth of John the Baptist foretold, and uh, Elizabeth, my son, John, that's John the Baptist. See, I should know this by heart and just go, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, not. They may make mention of his death, you know, at a point, and Luke marks the, the, uh, the birth of John the Baptist foretold. Matthew gives us. See, I got a whole book in my office that just has these side by side, and you can look at who has what and who does not have what. Uh, genealogy works fast. Is a wise man. John the Baptist prepares the way in Matthew, um, but not really an account of the death. It goes into Jesus' ministry, Sermon on the Mount, etc. So yeah, they pick up a piece. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah, and the other one was that I that I spoke last week about just this uh, seeming the the in Nazareth Jesus is rejected, and then the disciples are sent out, and you know and they come back and they're overjoyed, and then John the Baptist is rejected, you know, sort of in a way for foreshadowing the. Uh, the rejection of Christ, but they could not keep Christ in the tomb. Um, what else? Anything? Then we shan't not go long, I guess. So, all right. Well, let's close with a quick blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.